When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and the Stanley Cup playoffs continue to roll right along without the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're going to start this episode by playing a little game of Finish That Statement, and then you know what? We're going to catch everybody up if you haven't been paying attention. We're going to catch everybody up on the Stanley Cup playoffs in the back half of this episode. But Horwat, let's start with the game of finish that statement. It's going to be the best and the worst of the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins season. Let's start here. The best win of the 22-23 season was against the blank. That's hard to decide. I'd say the most memorable win. I, I think... I don't know if it's the best because it's hard to pick out a best win whenever we, whenever we're not continuing to play hockey. The most memorable win would it have to be Malkin's 1,000th game celebration, the one against Calgary at home. Not the game in Chicago, but the one in Calgary where, you know, pretty close battle. It was a two to one shootout victory where Mike Sullivan said he had to go with his gut to for the uh, for the shootout winner in Evgeny Malkin because he wasn't initially going to put Malkin out there. I think that one comes to mind right away. Um, and I'm trying to think of some later season ones where, you know, the the playoff vibes, the playoff mentality may have been there. Um, the crowd may have been into it, but you know, those it's it's a bit of a harsher reality whenever those kind of games were off or not, right? Yeah, but at the same time, I think when you you look at the season, if you take out the aspect of, hey, they missed the playoffs, and you just look for the best game, while I agree with you that Calgary Flames game, you know, Evgeny Malkin's 1,000th game celebration, not the actual 1,000th game against the uh, Calgary Flames, yeah, that's a, it's a great moment in my mm-hmm. opinion. I don't know if that was such a great game uh, because it ended up being a 2-1 to one game. It was frustrating in the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins had a two to nothing lead and the goal was disallowed and then they really didn't play all that well in the third period. It was a good game. And I'll give you that honestly. Let, let looking at the record down below, they lost more games than they won. So again, it's obviously going to be harder to pick out good wins, but I think I'm going to go with the win against the Colorado Avalanche on the road. It was a 5 to 2 road victory for the Pittsburgh Penguins that ended a four-game losing streak. The streak that started 
with two losses to the New York Rangers. They lost to the Ottawa Senators before going out to Colorado, beating the defending champs 5-2 on national television and ending their four-game skid. The top six was fantastic per usual in that game. Crosby had a pair of points. Rust had an empty net goal. Evgeny Malkin had a point. Jeff Carter even scored two goals, so you had the de- or the depth scoring, not the defensive scoring. And Tristan Jari, I'll maintain that that was one of the best games he played all season long in a gotta-have-it situation because this Penguins team had several losing streaks that went two and past five games this season. For him to be able to say, you know what, I'm putting my foot down, the team in front of him to say we're putting our foot down, that to me was the highlight of the year as far as best game. I like that one too. I think that was a little less uh, remembered because you remember the home games more, right? Like you remember Mm -hmm. the atmosphere of the home games a little more. And you're right, we showed at least for a short period of time there that we um, could beat those good teams, beat those teams that, I mean, the Avalanche are defending Stanley Cup champions and they're still, you know, still holding on. They could get back there again, but I think. The Penguins always bring it against Colorado, and that was one of the bonuses. I'll even hit you with a second one. The The very next win. I know they lost the next night to Dallas, but the next win the Penguins had was to at home against the Washington Capitals. Um, that 4-3 to three win where they you know, went up 2 to nothing into the second, went up 3 to nothing early in the third, and then Penguins, being the Penguins this year, allowed three-goal comeback. Mm-hmm. But thanks to Evgeny Malkin late with that steal. I think that was when the hopes were still high that they can make the postseason and the vibes in the building were pretty were pretty high. I mean it was a, I remember it was also a gorgeous spring day. It was <laughs> all of the things were leading to this is a playoff hockey game. And then honestly it was probably the closest this team got to playoff hockey all season. Yeah the the blown lead was certainly uh a la 2016 game yeah. six against the Washington Capitals. It was a gotta have it game. And you know, the intensity is always high whenever the Capitals go to Pittsburgh or the Penguins transversely go to cap one. But it feels like more of the memorable moments of that rivalry happened right there on fifth Avenue. So, you know, I really think that regardless of which one was the best, I, I obviously I think you get bonus points for the Capitals anytime they come into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the intensity that the Penguins played with to start that game, and then of course, you know, it, it was luck at the end, but of getting Malkin taking advantage of a bad mistake by the Washington Capitals and the celebration afterwards by him, by the players on the bench, you could tell how much that win meant to them in a in a battle that yes, they they fell short in the end and ultimately did not make the postseason. But that was a big reason as to why it felt like there could be a chance that they were able to fight back and get into a playoff spot. It's It all felt like it was going to come together, right? They'd mm-hmm. just beaten Colorado in that win that you just mentioned. Yeah, they lost to Dallas, but they at least showed their worth in Dallas. And it was the second half of a back-to-back, and they didn't look totally awful like they did for a lot of games this season. Um, and they bounced right back with that win over with an important... I don't want to say it's a, uh, with an important late victory against Washington. It felt like things could really turn in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we only had 40 wins. It was slim pickings this year. 
I mean, 40 wins is still better than uh, than most, or at least better than some. Um, but at the same time, there is certainly more candidates for the worst loss of the 2022-23 season. That's what we'll discuss right now. Horwat, what in your mind was the actual worst loss of the season? I feel like the easy answer is the 5-2 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Um, It is the easy answer, uh, and for what it's worth, I... You're right. There are way more options. I wrote a story on April 10th about the worst, the losses that may have cost them the season. Um, and the first one that I, you know, picked up right off the jump is the one that. Well, you're right. That Chicago loss um, felt like the worst loss of the season. I would say it felt like the worst loss of the era. You know, I think yeah. I asked Rob Rossi if that Edmonton Oilers loss felt that way as well uh, back when we interviewed him. If that felt like the worst loss of this Crosby era because it seemed like there was so much going downhill at the time. But I'm going to dig back just a little bit further to the catalyst of this entire season's downfall of, and I talked about it on here before, the December 22nd loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. They were in... They had the lead. That was one of those Carolina Hurricanes games where they had the lead if they mm-hmm. didn't have them in all of them. Um, but they blew the lead, I believe, in the third period while I look for the uh, look for the stats and the numbers. Um, and quite honestly, it all stemmed from, uh, how do you put it, Evgeny Malkin chasing Jacob Slavin behind the net in overtime. That singular play, not, the, not saying Evgeny Malkin cost the season, but no. that singular play was the catalyst and the down, to start the downfall of the rest of the year that inevitably caused the... Penguins to miss the playoffs. Yeah, they still gained a point from it, but um, from that point on, it was over. It was downhill. It was this uh, losing streak. It was that losing streak. It was the inconsistency. This loss was the second loss out of their seven-game winning streak, or whatever winning streak they had. Um, it was the end of their hot run, that loss. And I think that's kind of what set everything in motion for the rest of the year. It's the last time Brock McGinn scored this season, too. <laughs> His last goal as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I do remember that. Last, last um, goal but, of the season, I think. I don't think he scored with Anaheim. Well, yeah, but he'll have a chance to score with Anaheim maybe next season. Oh, he scored he is... twice with Anaheim. My bad. Yeah, there you go. So his last goal is a Pittsburgh Penguin. Um, but yeah, no, that was a bad loss. And listen, when you miss the playoffs by one standing point, literally one standings point, you're going to look at a lot of these losses. I mean, every single time they blew a lead to the New York Islanders in the third period to lose in either overtime or regulation. I believe that happened three times this season. I would say, obviously, the Blackhawks one is the one that's the most prevalent because it was literally you win that game, you likely make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, would they have had a chance against Boston? That's something that we can argue till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, you're never going to get that answer. But I would say the worst loss optically was the loss to the Edmonton Oilers that you just mentioned. They didn't belong on the same sheet of ice as the Edmonton Oilers in that one. And it got to the point where it was laughable. It was literally laughable at how poorly prepared the Pittsburgh Penguins were to take on an Edmonton Oilers team that, yes, they're a good team, and yes, they're going to beat the LA Kings in the first round, as we're going to talk about a little bit later. But uh, at the same time, just the fact that a Sidney Crosby, a Genny Malkin-led team was so outmanned, so outgunned in a game... On home ice as well, as you've mentioned, they've been so good over this entire 13 to 15 to 16 year stretch at PPG Paints Arena and then at Mellon Arena before that. For them to get 
embarrassed like that on home ice. It doesn't happen often, and it was just from the beginning of the game to the final whistle, they did not belong on the ice with the Edmonton Oilers. And I feel like even though that might not be one of the ones where you're like, ah, the one that got away, because there's two ways you could go with, with this. You could say, hey, it's the one that got away that may at the end of the year have cost them a playoff spot, or it's just the one where, hey, they got embarrassed, and they got embarrassed in that game against the Oilers. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. That was, that was the start of the fire Hextall chance. That, it was that game. That's where all that began. I mean, sure, the vibes and the feelings of wanting Hextall fired were around long before then, but that was the beginning of the fan base being very outward about it. Um, mm. And you're right, they had no, no reason... Uh, even trying to put up a fight against the Oilers. And I didn't put that one on the list that I came up with because I think I did choose more of uh, the ones that got away just because those are the mm-hmm. those are the points you had in your hands and you let slip. It's not like we had a chance against the Oilers. I think we all thought we did, right? We played them fairly well over the last few seasons. We thought of, you know, Crosby... Not saying that he always gets the upper hand on McDavid, but for some reason we always play pretty well against McDavid. Dry is usually always the pain in the ass. Just something about that game that uh, we it, we didn't even worry about them. It was that depth somehow. Weren't yeah. most of the goals like their first, second, or third goal of the season? Some of them were, yes, but I also remember Connor McDavid's ridiculous goal where he came down the short side on the power play and just roofed a shot where there was almost no room left. And it's just, he was otherworldly this year. And both times the Pittsburgh Penguins played the Edmonton Oilers, the Penguins just got waxed in both instances. I mean, the first one was early in the season. That was the beginning of the first seven game losing streak since what was it? 2012 or 20, 2011 or something like, like that. Since rookie season. Oh yeah, that's right. It was since re- that's the five game. Lo- I don't know, but yeah, it was since since rookie season. There have been a lot of, a lot of going back in the history books. Firsts since then uh, this season. That was one of them. So, a lot of bad losses this season. As we mentioned, the Penguins finished forty thirty one and eleven, which means they lost forty two games and only won forty. Uh, but certainly a handful of games that one cost them the season, cost them the postseason, and some of them where they just uh, didn't look like they belonged on the ice against the Oilers, I'd say against the Devils a couple times, against the Islanders on one of the first games out of the Christmas break. I think that was the first game out of Christmas break right after the uh, the Hurricanes game that you mentioned. So uh, certainly an up and down season, a lot of memorable moments for the wrong reason, but let's switch gears again and talk about the best moment of the 2022-23 season. It could be the Evgeny Malkin shootout winner against Calgary. It could be, uh, I would say, a host of other things because there were plenty of great moments this season. Maybe not great wins, but certainly great moments this season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What's one that you look at? Well, there was the obvious thousand-game celebrations for both Malkin and Letang. Sidney Crosby's 1,500-point, although that had happened on the road. Um... You know what? I have to go off the beaten path here, and just, uh, just because I love picking on this man, it's you got to go with the Jason Zucker and oh, the goalie's name's not Jordan Bennington feud. Uh, whenever St. Louis <laughs> came to Pittsburgh, there mm-hmm. there was just something extremely fun about that game. First of all, it was early in the season; you didn't know where the Penguins were going to take things yet. There was still a very high chance that um, Penguins were going to make the postseason, so the vibes were very good all, all around the team. And we knew we were going to get Bennington antics just because we always, everyone always does. 
mm-hmm. and of all people to have it happen against it was Jason Zucker, and it was great theater, honestly. I think every little bit of that, those couple of minutes from the start of the second period to all the way up until Thomas Grice fell trying to come in, come in relief, and that one's going to stick out quite a lot, and it's not the obvious choices of, like I said, the 1,000 game celebrations or mm-hmm. um, any other milestone nights. Yeah, when I saw this question on the rundown, there's only one moment that really stuck out in my head as the best moment of the 2022-23 season. Like you mentioned, plenty of great moments. Malkin, M1K in, uh, Chris Letang, which was K, was it KR1KS, whatever it was. Uh, oh, one, it was one Chris. That's what it was. One Chris. Uh, Crosby's 1500th point, which I feel like was anticlimactic because it was a three-point game in Detroit at the end of the season when there was so much more on the line than Crosby hitting 1500 points. Uh, but my pick has to be Chris Letang's second return from injury in January. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know what Chris Letang has dealt with over this season. Second stroke, the loss of his father dealt with a lower body injury in the midst of all of that. But when he returned from that lower body injury and that bereavement leave, two goals and two assists, including a game-winning overtime goal against the Florida Panthers, against Alex Lyon when he was still a sieve, right? (laughs) We saw all four goaltenders in that game. I thought we were going to see an e-bug. I thought there was a chance we saw five goaltenders play in that game. I believe it finished 7-6. to But Chris Letang was the star of the show, scoring that overtime game winner in one of the best moments, not just of the Pittsburgh Penguins season, but one of the best moments of the entire year across the NHL. And as I've said several times, you've echoed the same sentiment. He deserves the Masterton Trophy because he has showed from the beginning of the year the entire way through that his commitment to the game, his commitment to his teammates is outstanding and next level. So I believe he, he deserves the Masterton. I'm going to continue to campaign for that mm-hmm. until it's announced. He is a finalist, uh, meaning he's one of the 32 finalists because he was named the Penguins Masterton Award nominee. But that moment, his return as a defenseman, you know, no less, to not only go back and score a big goal in his return game, but score four points, including the game winner for your team. Against a team that, let's not forget, right down to the wire, it ended up being Penguins-Panthers. So that win was important and could have played a major role if the Penguins were able to get two more points in the standings. Yeah, it was a huge game. I have kind of forgot about it, honestly. Uh, that was another incredible game as I'm looking at the you know, the scoring summary. it's It was a back-and-forth affair. Uh, Panthers went up 2-0 early. Mm-hmm. Um, Penguins roared back with three, but you know Carter Verhage wouldn't be denied. He scored a... Uh, to make it 3-3 three to three before the first period is even over. It was yeah. one of those kind of games where, oh, boy, what's happening today? We just The over-under was 6.5, so it technically cashed in the first period, which was ridiculous. Yeah, and then you go on a couple of goals, um, you know, one, one aside in the second, and then everyone scored again in the third, and then that just is what led to... Um, <laughs> don't don't take a penalty against the Penguins in the in the in overtime. That was one guarantee we had this season. That was one bonus. Pretty much one any of time. F- a few, but yeah. not many. Not many. But there was one positive guarantee. Don't take a penalty against the Penguins in overtime because you give them a four a space of four on three, and 
It's it was the same combination every time. Crystal tanks from the point. And it was something about that that game specifically. It was special and it was um, awesome to see. And that should be you're right one of the one of the reasons that pushes him in the direction of a Masterton Trophy this year. It's really unfortunate the Penguins missed the playoffs this year because it really was the year of the big three. Two of them hit 1,000 games. Crosby hits 1,500. Latang, I obviously know I'm not going to say it was the year of of Chris Latang, but considering what he went through, the performance he was able to put out, especially in the latter half of the season, a lot of people aren't understanding how good he was towards the back half of the season and how good he was after coming back from that bereavement leave, from that lower body injury. And that was while playing with, yes, he he got to play with Marcus Pedersen for a while there. Then he had to play with Brian Dumlin again. And while it wasn't fantastic because Brian Dumlin, let's face it, shouldn't be facing top line minutes anymore. I thought Chris Letang was really good in the second half of the season because also stuff that people are pointing out is that he struggled at the beginning of the year, but to be able to not just go through all that comeback, but be better after that, uh, you just have to tip your cap to Chris Letang. Yeah, you have to. And, you know, you're right of the year of the, the year of the core, just because it's, it was the first year after the full commitment. It was, this is the best that they could possibly be. We don't know what the future holds because when, when we saw Malkin and Latang sign those deals, we went, okay, First year of that's going to be awesome. Second year of that could still be awesome, but you never know. Third, fourth year, uh, now it gets a little shaky. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. So they have one more real year to look just as good as they did because we don't know when Father Time catches up to all three of them. We don't know what future team... You know, We don't know what the team of the future looks like. Let's be real. New management's coming in. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm not doomsdaying this. I'm just saying. Um... <laughs> It was their year. Malkin and Crosby played all 82 games. First time ever. Probably the only time ever. Let's just be honest. And we missed the playoffs. We missed the postseason. Those two had fantastic seasons. Mm-hmm. Not the world-eating seasons that they had in their prime, but good enough years that they should have had more help. And, you know, you're, the discussion of how we would have played against Boston or even Carolina, for that matter, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We would have had postseason hockey to watch. We would have had the team would have had that postseason revenue, money, money. It's we can't, you know, say missing the postseason was a good thing. But you know what? <laughs> We're here now, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that Crystal Tang moment was an all timer, regardless of whether or not it came in a season where the Pittsburgh Penguins made the playoffs or not. But let's move over to the last finish that statement. That is the biggest disappointment of this season was blank. Missing the postseason. Like I just kind of was starting the starting the point there. Crosby Malkin played all eighty two games. Uh both had great seasons. Crystal Tang fought through everything he could and still had a pretty good season. Um Jason Zucker woke up this year. Ricardo Kell proved to really be the lone Ron Hextall benefit. Um, in 16 years, not down the drain, but 16 years has come to an end with a complete thud. Just mm-hmm. like a bag of cement hitting the ground. Just that's it. That's the end of it. Um, you know, a lot of galaxy brain people a lot of pundits will say oh we saw this coming from a mile away because they haven't won a playoff series in five years 
It's easy uh, to say when it uh, when it happens already. Yeah, you you might be right about that, and I'm not going to totally disagree because yeah, I mean, eventually we all knew this was going to come to an end. We all knew there might be a team where Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are still teammates and missing the postseason. I just don't think we expected it to be the year that Crosby played all 82 and put up almost 100 points, where Malkin played all 82 and put up a, over a point per game, where Tristan Jari uh, you know, didn't have a great season but was in a contract year and should have put up a great season. And that's my biggest disappointment of the year. Exactly. Is Tristan where... Jari's injury issues because, really, that was the linchpin of the entire season. If Tristan yeah. Jari hadn't gotten injured, again, if ifs were fifths, the world would be drunk. But if Tristan Jari would not have been injured this season, wouldn't have been a chronic hip issue, even if he would have missed just the time from the Winter Classic to, I believe it was February 15th or something like that, around Valentine's Day. If that was his only missed time, and he wouldn't have still dealt with injuries after that, Penguins are probably a playoff team. Shoot, they might even be a top three team in the Metropolitan Division. Now, would they have deserved to be there with the roster that they had? Probably not, but a good goaltender changes everything. And he wasn't a good goaltender at the latter stages of the season. I projected him as a top five Vezina finish, right? That was yeah, my bold is. prediction. I think my bold prediction was actually top three. He was yeah. a finalist for the Vezina because that's what I thought he was going to be able to do, as you mentioned, in a contract year. It was a year of mass importance for him. And yet, we're at the end of it, and the injuries are the reason that his future in Pittsburgh is very cloudy right now. Now, does he have a future in Pittsburgh? Potentially, right? Overcast skies can clear up midway through the day, but it's still very cloudy right now. The one thing I look at, and it really makes it, to me, more confusing, because if he was just wire-to-wire -wire bad this season, that'd be one thing. And so there's people that are going to tell you that, but there's also people that are going to ignore the fact that during the season, there was an 11-game stretch where he wasn't just, hey, you know, he's pretty good, right? That's a serviceable starting goaltender. That's like a number one starting goaltender numbers. It was Vezina caliber time for 11 games in this season in a row. 10-0-1 record, 9.47 save percentage, and a 1.73 goals allowed average. That is Vezina finalist worthy by Tristan Jari. Coincides with the best stretch of the Pittsburgh Penguins season. They were winning games. Even when they were losing, it was always in overtime. That's the reason they had even a snowball's chance in hell at making the playoffs this year. And Jari was f magnificent. But then it all went downhill. Then the physical issues turned into a lower body injury, which turned into an upper body injury, which turned into, hey, he has a chronic hip issue. So the biggest disappointment for me was that Tristan Jari wasn't able to be healthy this season to prove whether or not, for the final time, he is a starting goaltender in this league. The fact that we still don't have the answer to that question after another season is an issue to me, and it's the biggest disappointment of the season to me. And that's up there, too. And that, that also... It, my big, Like I said, my biggest disappointment with missing the postseason kind of encapsulates all of it, right? It was... Yeah, it's a cop-out answer. I got you. It's... Well, it's... <laughs> Because it's all, because it's really was what was the biggest disappointment of the season the entire year, <laughs> really. Yeah, it's yeah. Tristan Jari letting us down, the bottom six letting us down, um, Ron the Hextall core being in general, Ron Hextall doing his thing. They let him cook too much. Uh, the core being so good still, 
and everything else faltering around them. It's just a big disappointment, and, you know, it doesn't feel like a waste of a season just because, um, in the grand scheme of things, maybe a quick retool happens and we're better than ever next year. In the grand scheme of things, maybe we look back at this season for those three players, at least, and go, here's how we know they're still some of the best ever. And how, like, way down the line, we look at that year and go, they still proved it at the age of 35 and 36. Now they're going to be 36, 37 going into the next season, and who knows? But if this was the last hurrah, if you want to go that far and doomsday it, they proved to be some of the best players to ever play the game. Yeah. Regardless of how the season turned out, just by sheer numbers, you know, could this how the season have turned out push them even further? <laughs> Absolutely. But when your postseason streak ends with a thud like that, nothing feels right. Nothing mm-hmm. feels like it was a it was a benefit. The Pittsburgh Penguins big three, at least two of them now, are getting paid like they've started to decline. And their performance, as they showed this season, has not started to decline. So in that instance, you would have expected, hey, if that's the case, it'd be easier to put a better team around them. Yet this was probably the worst supporting cast of the Sidney Crosby of Guinea Malkin era. It's astonishing how bad Ron Hextall was at his job. But he's fired, and they're currently looking for a new general manager. But that's going to do it for this segment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're just going to talk a little Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horowat. And we talked for about a half hour about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Still not much news to speak of surrounding the general manager search. Probably won't be for the majority of the playoffs as Gary Bettman likes his teams outside of the playoffs to keep a low profile and let the game take center stage, which it has to this point. The playoffs have been phenomenal. One thing we know for sure, there will be no first round sweeps in the Stanley Cup playoffs. No sport like it. No playoffs like it, Horwat. What have you thought of the Stanley Cup playoffs up to this point? Uh, it's been very evenly matched all around. Even some of the more distant uh, more distant matchups like Vegas, Winnipeg, for example, uh, at least Winnipeg seems to be a competent team in there, right? That's not a total wash. It's not uh, a complete shellacking on Vegas's part. Winnipeg is, you know, f- that that game where they roared back to force a double overtime, albeit a loss on just an un- not even a bad pass, just an unfortunate bounce. Um, bounce, yeah. Um, you know, they're they've proven to at least still be something despite the fact that that team's getting torn to shreds this off season. Um. And Minnesota. they're injured. Like, the injuries yeah. they've faced are ridiculous. But, I mean, like, the fact that that 
is the only reason that there's really a big discrepancy in any series is kind of crazy at how good these playoffs have been so far. Yeah, and it's I just looking at the series numbers, I mean, there's a lot of 3-2s in there, right? Oh, yeah. Every, all of them are 3-2 except for Jersey, except for Jersey, New York are 2-2, two two. Two, which good for New Jersey, by the way. A heck of going a performance in, at MSG, especially by MSG uh, the goaltender. Yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot they're not even using check now. Yeah. That's been a great series. Who knows where that even goes? And there's still a lot of hockey left to play there. It's shocking that the big three to one lead is the Leafs and the three time, you can't even call them Eastern Conference champions because the one was a bubble year. I'll call them Eastern Conference champions. They beat an Eastern Conference team to go to the Stanley Cup finals. But then, but then beat another Eastern Conference team anyway. Yeah. Um, that, my takeaway from that season is the Canadian North Division was a sham. It was, but that being said, yeah, you're facing, it's it's shocking that the team that has made the Stanley Cup final three times is down three to one and looking to be like the first team out. Not only the fact that they're down three to one, but they're down three to one to a team that is pathologically incapable of winning in the playoffs. Yeah, and these games haven't looked great for them either. Yeah, the Leafs should not have won either game in Tampa, but that's... To me, more impressive than them just going out and, and just completely crushing the lightning in Tampa. is like, you weren't supposed to win, but you did. That's playoff hockey. Yeah, that is. I mean, listen, everyone in Toronto and everyone that doesn't like Toronto is going to say, they've been here before a couple of times. Well, yeah, they have. They're not going to throw the parade until they win game four. No. Or, well, their, their fourth game, not game four. They did win game four. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. Um, correct. But even there's still a lot of people in Toronto that say Tampa Bay is taking game game five, man. I would not be surprised if the Florida Panthers can take game five at TD Garden against this Boston Bruins team. Then the Lightning can take game five against the Leafs, who haven't closed out a series since 2004. Horwat, I was eight, eight years old the last time the Maple Leafs got out of the first round of the playoffs. The Penguins postseason streak hadn't even started yet. Think of Correct. that one. They hadn't that, drafted Sidney Crosby. No, not yet. It was that was what they they won and then entered uh, the entered the lockout. Yeah. Yeah, it was the lockout was 2004-2005. Yep. Yeah. Uh quite fun. Sorry, I have a lawnmower going right outside my window. So carry your couple of series that you're watching for a minute. Yeah, the one that I'm most surprised about has to be Devils Rangers because when the Rangers went up two to nothing with two wins at Prudential Center in the way that they did it as well, it looked like the 2000 and let me make sure I get this right. It looked like the 2007 Penguins versus Senators. The hey young guys, welcome to the playoffs. These guys have been here before. They're going to smack you in the mouth and you can come back and try again next year. That's what it looked like because the Pittsburgh Penguins against that Ottawa Senators team, it's why I, for some reason, don't like Danny Alfredson. I might be the only person in the history of hockey that just has negative feelings towards Daniel Alfredson. It was Alfredson and Spezza and Heatley. That team ruined my dreams, right? Because that was the first playoffs that I was ever really able to comprehend as a human being and Sidney Crosby's first playoffs. And it just, it fell flat. Uh, Ray but, Emery and Natalie, it, it was all kind of, um, that, that was a good Ottawa Senators team. Wasn't that the oh, one yeah. that went to the finals? 2007, that I believe they went to the finals that year. I might be, again, 
I don't quite remember, but uh, I think it was around that time that the Senators went to the finals and they lost to the Anaheim Ducks, correct? That was the team that lost to the Ducks? Yes, to yeah. Brian Burke's Anaheim Ducks. Okay, we don't need to mention uh, that man, right? Uh, we're talking about the rest of the league, not Brian Burke. Uh, but no, the way the Devils were able to come back at MSG, take those two games, was huge. And honestly, the best part is seeing Jack Hughes figure out playoff hockey for the first time. Because he's starting to do it, and while, yes... His style of play doesn't quite mesh with, yeah, this is a playoff style of hockey. He's figuring out a way to kind of toe that line between this is Jack Hughes hockey, but this is what it looks like in the playoffs where it's a little bit different. And he's been able to start to find his footing as this series has gone on. And the Devils have just, they've shocked me. I thought that was, once the Rangers won both games, I was like, okay, maybe the Devils take one, but this is going to be a gentleman's sweep. But now it's it's 2-2 heading back to Prudential Center. Anything can happen, man. Anything can happen. It's an even series again. It becomes uh, best of three. And not only best of three, best of three where Jersey has the home ice advantage. Not that it's mattered, but... <laughs> yeah, um, it's the least in that that series. Yeah, but things can turn on a dime. And it's, it's been a pretty entertaining playoff, just looking around at everything. I haven't paid close enough attention to all of them, but it's been quite fun looking at the numbers. The question I want to ask you right now, Horwat, is of the ones you've watched, obviously, what series has been the most entertaining? It's hard not to pick LA Edmonton, right? No That's lead true. is safe. No game is over. I texted you in a normal hockey game. You score first. You have the momentum. You're likely going to take the game. I forget what the numbers are on that. In this series, you score the first two. You've just all but locked up your loss. Like This <laughs> has been the wildest no, no lead is safe series. And Sure, I sent that, and then Edmonton immediately decided to shove it in my face with a 6-to-whatever win. Um, still, just it's been the most entertaining. Plus, it's hard not to enjoy watching uh, Connor McDavid not really put up points, but Leon Dreisaitl carry this team, right? I, I mean, mean, McDavid's Leon putting Dreisaitl up points. Leon Dreisaitl was more ridiculous than, than McDavid last postseason. Yeah. Like, McDavid was great last postseason. But Leon Dreisaitl was otherworldly and injured last year. He's hobbling just around otherworldly now. Yeah. Yeah. This year it's Dreisaitl carrying the load again. McDavid is he just scored his first point at five on five. Yep. Like, on an assist to Leon Dreisaitl, if I'm not mistaken. Of course. Of <laughs> course. And I think for once, at least with Edmonton, it's finally getting good because it's not just those two doing it, right? Mm-hmm. There's finally some other faces around. I mean, Nugent Hopkins during the regular season this year put up his first 100-point season. Um, although he has, I don't think I've heard his name much. I haven't looked at the numbers numbers, but I haven't heard his name much in this series. Whereas, you know, Zach Hyman's doing some good things. Evan Zach Bouchard Hyman on the baby. Bl- Evan Bouchard on the blue line is doing a thing. Like, Throwing in some Bouch bombs. Yeah, this is this series has been among most of them probably the most fun series to watch, and. Truly, I bet it still goes seven. I know Edmonton's got the three-two lead now. I had LA in seven from the beginning, so there were four game sevens in round one last year, I believe. Do Ooh. we get more or less this year? Like you mentioned, there are five series at three-two right now. Yeah. One at two to two, and two at three to one. And you already said you wouldn't be surprised if the Lightning pushed this to seven. <laughs> Did I say that? Did I say that about the lightning? 
I mean, you said that you wouldn't be surprised if they won game five, but then if they won game five, I would say they're favored to win game six. And then, sorry, Leafs fans are right back in the same predicament. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, that one I don't know. I do, I bet the Leafs can hold, can, can actually close this one out and put a huge damper on the Penguins getting Kyle Dubas, but hey, you know, so be it. It'd be um, great if they did it tonight. Exactly. Um, I could see, let's see, one, two, three, four, I don't know about four. Maybe four again. I don't know if we can get five. I don't know if we're going to get a whole five, seven games here. Uh, yeah, I'll say four, two, and I'll tell you exactly which ones I think go seven games. Are Devils Rangers. In? Yep. Oilers Kings. Mm-hmm. Stars Wild. And Kraken Avs. Yeah. I think yeah. all of those go seven games, and I think we get four again, which is yeah. great. I oh, just... Yeah. I do... I'd be very shocked if Boston doesn't put away the Panthers next game. I'd also be very shocked if the Hurricanes don't put away the Islanders in the next game. And then to have more than one series go back from 3-1 to one to a Game 7 would be ridiculous. So, uh, especially with how injured the Jets are and trying to win Game 5 in Vegas. Ugh. Yeah. So. Yeah, that... Vegas, I mean, depending on the times of these games, do both... They do. Yeah, we could have two uh, teams knocked out of the playoffs tonight. Um, and we're this deep in is the fun part, that there's not already a team out. Mm-hmm. And that could be due to like this weird scheduling that we've gotten all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but we're 10 days in. We're 10 days into this postseason, and every team is still alive. Yeah, no sweeps. And as of right now, only two series could end in five games. It's been a fantastic playoffs. Now, I don't remember what your Stanley Cup Finals prediction was. I know the Kings were part of it. Mine was Oilers-Rangers, and you know what? I'm feeling great about my Oilers, especially in that Western Conference, especially with the defending champs hanging on by a thread. And in the East, I don't know, man. I said the Leafs. I didn't say it on here, but I have said a couple times on radio. The Leafs, I think, go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I have the Rangers winning the Eastern Conference it doesn't look bad, but the Rangers are scaring me a little bit with the fact that they lost two at home. Yeah, that could that could be a real excuse me. <clears throat> that could be a real downfall. Yeah, I had the Kings in the in the West. Just, I mean, but I also said you can make a solid argument for almost any of these teams in the West, and that included the Jets at the time. Um, and who knows, the Kraken might knock off the. Avalanche. I love the Kraken. I love the Kraken. First of all, that series, like you said, Oilers-Kings, and it has been phenomenal. I forgot to mention that one, yeah. Kraken-Avs has been neck and neck, right? If it wasn't for the, like, nobody giving the Kings credit and them being this good, I think, I I don't know, because a lot of people didn't give the Kraken a shot to beat the Avs, too. But, man, has that series been entertaining as well. It has been. It really has been. And, I mean, it's, (laughs) you don't want to call it the Penguins' light over in Seattle, but, I mean... It seems like it, though, doesn't it? I it mean, does. Jared McCann, all, yeah. despite the injury. Uh, Daniel Sprong lighting up the fourth line. Justin Schultz on the blue line. Brandon Tanev blowing a kiss to the crowd. <laughs> Jamie Alexiak on the blue line. And, oh, yeah, their GM is Ron Francis. Like, it's... <laughs> there's a lot of Penguins connections there. And, oh, yeah, we might usurp uh, Jason Botterill for our front office. That being said, um, that if Seattle can close it out, that's also just incredible stuff and that series has been just as entertaining Um, outside of outside of the panthers potentially beating the bruins which is again not a 
something I would imagine happens. Kraken taking down the defending champs would be the biggest surprise that I could have expected out of this first round. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And when it comes to my finals predictions, like you said, yeah, I had the Kings going in. Uh, I also had the Hurricanes. That's right. So... I don't know where that's going to go now that uh, Tara Vinans broke his hand and I was picking the Hurricanes even without Sveshnikov, so... Yeah, you know. And no Max Pacioretty, but it's not like they've had Max Pacioretty for really much this year, unfortunately. Yeah, but I liked that three-goaltender situation. And just... I mean, hey, it's on Toronto right now. It's nobody else. Hey, I don't know, but hey, if you have some, if you have someone to fall back, or you have two someones to fall back on if you yeah, truly need to. It's true. It's very true. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be back next time with more Pens Talk and maybe another Stanley Cup playoff update next Thursday as well. But that's it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.